Shalom Aleichem and welcome back to class number two of 30 Letters in 30 Days. We kicked off our inaugural class last night, Baruch Hashem, with uh, a wonderful response, a lot of uh, excitement going on about studying the Rebbe's Igris, and we're going to continue this on through the 30 days until the Rebbe's birthday, Yud Aleph Nissen. Um, before we jump in to tonight's letter, our second letter, I wanted to address a few things. First of all, I apologize that we went over time last night. We are going to really try to stick with the 30-minute format. This is a 30-minute class, but because it was the first night last night, I wanted to give some extra background about the Igris Kodesh. And uh, that's why we went a little bit over. But we're going to try to stick, with God's help, to the 30-minute time limit. Um, That's first of all. Uh, Some business, some technical stuff. You can still order your booklet, if you didn't get your booklet yet, at 30 Letters 30 Days. That's 30, the number, 30, 30letters30days.com. And uh, you could also order this booklet, interestingly enough, on Amazon. And uh, I was informed that I think I heard we are number seven (laughs) in Jewish books right now. Can you believe that? So let's push it to the top. Let's go for number one. Why not? Um, Also, if you go to 30letters30days.com, you can sign the pan. That is the letter that we are writing to uh, the duch that we're going to be writing to bring into the Rebbe Yud Aleph Nissen at the oil, reporting all of those who participated on any level in this series of classes. So we want to encourage you to do that. Um, and everything that you need regarding the course is there. The PDF, if you don't have the booklet, the PDF for download is available at 30days30letters.com, as well as uh, many other resources. Another thing I want to mention is this wonderful initiative that's going on parallel to this course that you're watching right now, and that is local groups all over the world, organized by the Vad Oyer V'choyim Kashris, are getting together and conducting discussion groups that watch the class and discuss. Last night I was informed that there was a meeting in Chicago. They did a launch event for the course, and over 75 women uh, got together under the auspices of Nishay Chabad of Chicago and uh, discussed the letters, watched the class and discussed the letters. Tonight... There's a wonderful uh, teen program going on. We have campus shluchais. Those are shluchais from uh, college campuses who are fabringing with teenage high school girls about the letters that we're studying as a parallel track to this course. And uh, there's a lot of different stuff going on. If you have a community that you'd like to get involved, the resources are there and uh, there's a contact page at 30letters30days.com, and I encourage you to do that. Um, Okay, let's jump into our letter, but uh, before we do, I wanted to share just a little bit more general appreciation of the Igris with you, like I did last night. (sighs) 
Last night I told you that the Rebbe asked for gifts of Torah. If you want to give the Rebbe a birthday gift, the Rebbe appreciates gifts of Torah. Study some Torah. And I said that we're going to study the Igris as our Torah study gift. And I want to talk a little bit about, very briefly, what it means to study the Igris. Because I think that there's... Uh, a misconception. People aren't really sure what it means to study the Igris. How do you study them? I mean, what's there to study? And uh, I told you last night that the Rebbe approved of a uh, forward to the 12th volume of Igris Kodesh that described the Igris Kodesh in terms similar to the Alter Rebbe's Tanya. Okay, so that's first of all, that the Igris Kodesh in conjunction with the Asela Harav initiative of having a personal spiritual coach or mentor, is akin to the study of Tanya. Let me tell you more. Let me tell you more along that same vein. Um, Rabbi Sholem Mendel Simpson was one of the secretaries of the Rebbe. And among his duties was archiving the letters over the years. I think a lot of times people wonder, where did these letters come from? Did people, did the recipients send them in to be published? And um, the answer is that all along, an office copy was retained. But I want everyone to understand that the privacy with which the office copies of the letters were retained was absolutely um, ironclad. There was, there was no access to these letters to the extent, and this is what I want to convey to you, that when the Igris project began at the Rebbe's behest, the Rebbe asked, we, we mentioned last night, uh, the Rebbe asked in 1987 that they should start printing his letters. There was a question of how actually it would be done in a way that was sensitive to the privacy of the letters. And what happened is, that Rabbi Simpson, who was the one who archived the letters in the first place, so he w- he did see the letters, and it should be known that he, along with all the other secretaries in the secretariat, one thing they were known for was absolute confidentiality. Rabbi Chadakov, who was the chief secretary, all, uh, he told all the other secretaries that, <laughs> I can't tell you not to see what you see, but I can tell you never to speak. And that was a, there was a code of silence, an absolute code of silence. So Rabbi Simpson had seen the letters to begin with. He, he was the one who archived them. So he was the one who would take the letters and redact them in order to submit them to Rabbi Shalom Berlevin from the library, who was de- then the one who prepared the letters for publication. In other words, Rabbi Simpson would remove any private or personal details from the letters before they were given to Rabbi Levin to prepare for publication. Now, I want to tell you that the privacy was such a concern to the Rebbe that at one point Rabbi Levin said, I need to see the unredacted letters so that I can, I can make explanatory footnotes explaining to people, you know, you, you have a letter, you're looking at a letter, you don't know the context, you don't know the background. So Rabbi Levin said, I would like to see the, the background the, the whole unredacted letter before Rabbi Simpson uh, removes any private details, just so I can know for myself, and then I can write better explana- explanatory footnotes for each letter. And uh, the Rebbe said that's not going to be possible. 
It, it, it cannot be done. And uh, Rabbi Levin uh, expressed the fact that that would limit his ability to write these, uh, these explanations, and the Rebbe concurred that that's the way it's going to have to be. In other words, that's a sacrifice that would have to be made um, for the sake of protecting privacy. Okay, so th that's just one thing I want everyone to know about the utmost privacy that was, that was preserved all of the years in filing those letters and even in publishing the letters in Igus Kodesh. But that's not why I told you this. I told you this because I wanted to tell you what happened in 1988, the second year of Igris publication. Igris had been coming out, and they were about, uh, I think it was at the time when this, the, the volume that we're studying right now, Chelek Yod, volume 10, was, was published. It was about the same time. It may have been right after volume 10 was published. At any rate, it was 1988, and those who know uh, the, uh, the Rebbe's life, you know that Tavshin Memches, 1988, was a very sad year for the, the, for the Rebbe. It was uh, a Shnas Avelis, Leilenu, the, the Rebbe was in mourning. He lost his uh, rabbits and rabbits in Chayimushka. And uh, so many of the day-to-day -day functions that normally took place in 770 were moved to the Rebbe's house. The Rebbe would daven, the Rebbe was davening, uh, was leading the prayers as, as is customary for a mourner, and the prayers took place in the Rebbe's house. And much of the business that normally took place in 770 was transferred to the house. So Rabbi Simpson says, it was 1988, they were about, I, I believe it was this Chelek, Chelek Yod, volume 10. And uh, Rabbi Simpson was bringing a stack of redacted, letters to the Rebbe, because the Rebbe had to look over the redacted letters and make sure they were sufficiently redacted, meaning it was a second layer of privacy, that the Rebbe had to make sure that it was really, really anything that was that no one would want shared would be shared. And after the Rebbe would look over Rabbi Simpson's redacted version, only then would it be approved to go to Rabbi Levin, who would then prepare it for publication. So Rabbi Simpson brought a stack of letters to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe asked Rabbi, Sim Rabbi Simpson at that time, Was tut sich mit de brief? What's going on with the letters? Now, what does it mean, what's going on with the letters? The Rebbe knew full well what was happening with the publication. The Rebbe was involved in every aspect of the publication of the letters. So that's not what the Rebbe meant. The Rebbe wasn't asking what's going on with the publishing. The Rebbe was asking what's going on with how it's being received how the oilam that I've referred to it, the community, the, the movement, how are the people reacting to the letters? And listen, listen to what the Rebbe said to Rabbi Simpson and asked Rabbi Simpson. Rabbi asked, was tut sich mit de brief? The oilam tut in de brief? Are the people getting involved in the letters? Melent de brief? Are they learning the letters? The Rebbe used that word. Are they learning it? Are they studying it? That was, that, that was what the Rebbe wanted. Now, <laughs> I'll tell you even more. Rabbi Simpson wasn't sure how to answer because, frankly, he didn't have a lot to report regarding people learning the letters. So he grabbed something that he knew that was a positive thing, and he said, yes, in Morristown, because he had heard that in Morristown, I believe he had a son that was learning there at the time. But at any rate, he knew that in Morristown, the Bachram, in the yeshiva, in the yeshiva in Morristown, were learning Igris Kodesh. So he said, in Morristown, the Bachram, the, the yeshiva boys are studying the Igris. And, and, and the Rebbe said, 
אז תלמידי ישיבה, תלמידי ישיבה זה דוח נשכן חידש, נשכן נייס. The fact that the full-time yeshiva students are studying the igris, that's, that's not news. Obviously, like, that, that goes without saying that the yeshiva students who are studying full-time are also studying the igris. The Rebbe said, what about the younger light? <laughs> what about the, the grown men, the, one who are, the ones who are out of yeshiva? And then the Rebbe said something absolutely, I mean, to me, staggering. The Rebbe told Rabbi Simpson, Bishain tikin tog. Until this day, meaning the Yigas are now coming out for, this is the second year of them coming out. I didn't get one letter from anyone asking me a question or writing a scholarly comment or article or Ha'ara uh, is even like a, there was a, still is a, uh, an academic journal for, for Torah uh, scholarship where people would write their own uh, observations or their own, their own thoughts. And the Rebbe was saying, I did not see yet that anyone should write to me their own, either, either ask a question or offer some type of an insight about the letters. In other words, the Rebbe was talking about a fairly uh, involved level of scholarship, not just perusing it in a, in a casual way. So it's very clear what the Rebbe wanted and how the Rebbe wanted the Igris to be used. Baruch Hashem, I'm happy to say that thousands of us right now, Ken Yirbu, are doing that. And if you're enjoying this, please share this. Please share this with others. Don't keep a good thing to yourself. Okay, let us jump into tonight's letter, the second letter of our 30 letters. This letter was actually printed also, in addition to being printed in Chelek Yud of, of Igros Kodesh, was also printed in Lekutei Sichas, Chelek Chof Gimel, page 349. And uh, let's just begin. Baruch Hashem Vav Tishrei Tav Shin Tes Vav. Do you notice the date? The date is the same date as last night's letter. They were both written on the same day. And as I mentioned yesterday, I'll mention again, Sersimei is an incredibly busy time for any Jew, especially for the Rebbe. And the fact that the Rebbe took time to write this letter at this time is itself a testimony to how important the Rebbe felt this letter was. Okay, Brooklyn, that's where the Rebbe is writing from. Maras Chana Tichya. Miss Chana. Who is Chana? So I will share with you. This letter was written and sent actually to more than one person. This letter was sent to several women to whom it applied, as well as some women's groups. But one of the recipients of this letter, this Chana referred to here, is Chana Sharfstein. May she live and be well. And I spoke with her yesterday. And I asked her about this. Now, first of all, I will tell you that if you want to know more about it, don't bother Mrs. Sharfstein like I did. You can read her book, an incredible book called Beyond the Dollar Line, which is just full of really unique stories about 
her personal relationship with the Rebbe. Uh, and also she has uh, interviews with Jem on the My Encounter project, where she speaks about the background of this letter. But I called her and I let her know that we're learning her letter tonight, which she was very happy about. And uh, she said, look, I've done everything I can to get the message of this letter out. And uh, yeah, go ahead and <laughs> see what else you can add to it. Okay. And I'm going to add some information that Mrs. Sharfstein revealed to me um, as we go through the letter. Blessings and greetings. And this is customary when writing to a woman instead of shalom ubracha, that I would write bracha v'shalom. And this letter is in Yiddish. Okay. Gefinendik zich jetzt in die tag von a We find ourselves now in the days of the ten days of awe, as they're often referred to, the days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Was auf die tag sagt der Navi, that regarding these days, the, the prophet says, Dirshu Hashem b'matzei, kro'uhu b'yesei kariv. Seek out Hashem where he may be found. Call upon him when he is near. What does that mean? Nochmer v'yagansyor. Much more than the rest of the year. Hashem is always close. Hashem is always close. But during this Sarasimet Shuvah, during this very holy time, Hashem's even closer. And I want to just comment something, that you might read that as some, some you know, sort of like a perfunctorial uh, opening. The Rebbe just says, yeah, it's a Sesame Tshuva, and the, the Navi says that it's the time when Hashem is close. I want you to know that that detail was not lost on the recipient of this letter. That Mrs. Sharfstein said that she understood that Rebbe was telling her to do some soul-searching, that this is a time of stock-taking, this is Sesame Tshuva, and it's time to look at yourself, and improve. And in fact, in Halacha, it mentions that the Seres Mitzvah is a time to take on extra stringencies and to be even more meticulous about uh, mitzvah observance. And this is exactly how she took this, this part of the letter. Is So in addition to my previous letter, and the Rebbe had written to Mr. Sharfstein many, many times. And I want to mention, by the way, this particular letter was addressed to her. There were times when the Rebbe wrote to her husband, times when the Rebbe wrote to her and her husband together. This particular letter was written just to her. I think that itself should be noted, that the Rebbe had chassidim who were men and chassidim who were women. And the Rebbe didn't regard female chassidim as different than male chassidim. And the Rebbe had a message for one of his chassidim. He wrote to his chassid. That's... I think a lot of us maybe even take that for granted, but it's worth mentioning. So he wrote this letter directly to Mrs. Sharfstein, who was at this time a newlywed. She was married a year earlier. She was married a year before this uh, before this letter. Okay. Will ich zugeben die weite dicke So I want to give you, in addition to my previous letter, I want to give you the foregoing lines. Bezos Hashem Yisborech seinen letztens ungenommen geworden, bestimmte Uffiringen und Hanhoges zwischen Anash und Freuen von Anash befrat. Lately, certain uh, Hanhoges, conduct, behaviors, observances, 
have been taken up by the Chassidim, and particularly the female Chassidim, the women of the Chassidim, was biz itzter that until now, so lib fashid nesibis for various reasons, haben das nit alle ungehalten, not everybody was adhering to. So the Rebbe says there are certain things that are good things to do, and they weren't so popular, not everybody was doing them. But now, Baruch Hashem, good news, people have started to doing, people have started to do them. And it's also interesting to me, the Rebbe says there are reasons why people stopped, but the Rebbe doesn't want to get into it. It's like, why do we have to analyze the problem so deeply? It's the Metzias, that's the fact. The fact is that there was a, a laxity in this area, but now, Baruch Hashem, it's starting to, starting to pick up. Now, what is this referring to? We don't know yet, but we're about to find out. Okay. So there's an axiom here. Anything that's new in a place, any new initiative, anything that is uh, innovative, is das gring zu zustern, chas It's very easy to oppose. <laughs> Don't you see that? Anything that's new, it's very easy to dismiss it, to say, ah, that's not the way we've done it. What about the status quo? There's something called social inertia. <laughs> and you just get used to things being the way they are. So somebody comes to do a good thing. It's a good thing, but it's new. So it's very easy to be like, eh, why do we have to start doing it? So the Rebbe says, look, I'm sorry to tell you, that's a truth, that new things are difficult. Now, here's what I think is the bombshell of this letter, in my humble opinion. The Rebbe makes a, a, a statement. New things are easy to oppose. New things are difficult because they're easy to oppose. Where's the Rebbe going to go with this? Now, where you might go with this is you might say, so I'm sorry to inform you that what I'm about to tell you is going to be really tough and it's going to be miserable for you, but I can't help you because it's a new thing, so that's just your muzzle. That's your rotten luck. But that's not, <laughs> that's not how the Rebbe takes this. The Rebbe states something that sounds almost like it's going to be a negative argument, like this is going to be tough, and the Rebbe turns it into a positive. The Rebbe flips the whole thing and actually explains why the fact that new things are, are easy to oppose actually is a good thing. Of course it's a good thing. Of course. Of course that's how the Rebbe explains it. Let's see how the Rebbe explains that it's a good thing. Okay. So new things are very easy to oppose. Und der Rebbe, therefore, what's the logical conclusion? Is eisgewöhnlich größt der Schuss von jeder einem, welcher trug zu sein Teil zu starken das. So precisely because new things are so easy to oppose, it's all the more precious. Great is the merit of anyone who's from the the uh, what do you call it the the first uh, the first adapters, the people who are the trendsetters and the cutting edge. So you see that Evan makes a statement, it's tough to do something new, but turns it into a positive. And therefore, be precisely because new things are easy to oppose and they're difficult to start, that's what makes it so precious to be on the ground floor, to be one of the few, the, the few, the proud, who are starting it before it becomes popular. Okay, so that, that, that's first of all. The Rebbe continues. Um, yeah. From the other hand, on the other hand. Now, you think on the other hand means that I was going to 
make the opposite argument, but actually <laughs> the Rebbe actually makes the same argument from two sides. In other words, the Rebbe is going to come to the conclusion that this is a wonderful thing, and he's going to do it from two directions. First of all, something that is new, and therefore very few people are doing it, is more precious. Okay, second of all, second of all, another argument is das gringer durchführen mit sich allein. It actually will make it easier for you to motivate yourself. Aber viele bis jetzt hat man das nicht aufgeschatzt, Leute, der Wichtigkeit. Even if, the Rebbe says, parenthetically, if you hadn't estimated or attributed to it the, the sufficient importance, you didn't give it adequate importance, meaning you yourself didn't realize how important it was, but you're going to be able to motivate yourself now. How? Having in mind, thinking, as das ist nicht a private Angelegenheit. This is not a private matter or a private opportunity. Nor es hat in a gewisse Maß auf dem ganzen Kreis. It has an influence on everybody. You hear that? Because it's new and very few people are doing it, you've got an opportunity. You can be one of those who who starts it before it's a thing. And your, 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 your influence is cherished and special and needed and impactful. I, when, when I was reading this part of the letter, I was thinking to myself how the Rebbe loved innovation and motivating people to be innovators. There's a... I'll, I'll share with you another story. It happens to also be about uh, a young woman. Uh, actually, a, a single girl, a very young girl, a 13-year-old girl, who um, was expecting to go to Beis Yaakov in the fall. And uh, Beis Rivka, the Lubavitcher girl's school, high school, started when she was 13 years old. And so her father enrolled her. And she said, I don't, this is a brand new school. I don't know what it's going to be like. What's Beis Rivka? I mean, I, I, don't, need, I, don't, I don't know if it's going to be a good place. I want, I want to do the normal thing. The mainstream thing. I want to go to Beis Yaakov. So her father was very wise, and he said, write to the Rebbe. <laughs> so this girl wrote to the Rebbe, and I believe she wrote in English, or at least the words I'm going to share with you were in English. She wrote to the Rebbe, and this is the word she used. She said to the Rebbe, you know, this new school is starting, Beis Rivka. It's totally new. I don't want to be a guinea pig. <laughs> she used the word guinea pig. And she wrote to the Rebbe this letter, and the Rebbe sent back the letter, and crossed out guinea pig and wrote, pioneer. <laughs> you're not a guinea pig, you're a pioneer. So Beis Rivka's new? Okay, fine, you'll be a pioneer. You'll be from the first to go to Beis Rivka. And I should mention that, that this little 13-year-old girl, she grew up, and uh, Mrs. Tachtel has been the principal of Beis Rivka High School, <laughs> the school that she was afraid to go to for uh, a few decades now. So you see how the Rebbe's motivation... Uh, <laughs> how it carries forth. The point is, the fact that nobody's doing something isn't an argument not to do it. It's a greater argument to do it. Um, you know, there was a, a, a New York Times bestseller called uh, Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. And he has there the, some laws about how social trends occur. And he says there's something called the law of the few which is that something really, really big always starts with just a few people. 
<clears throat> and his big example for it is hush puppies. He says that hush puppies, these, these brown suede shoes, that they were big in the 1950s, and then they went out of style, and it was just a nerdy thing. It was just totally out of style. Nobody wanted hush puppies, and the hush puppy company was barely selling any hush puppies. And then all of a sudden, in the 90s, out of the blue, they're getting all the hush puppy company is getting all these orders for shoes, and they're like, "What's going on here? How how, how did hush puppies suddenly blow up? They themselves didn't know. They weren't advertising. They weren't marketing. And what they found out is because it was so out of style, there were a few club kids in downtown Manhattan who would get the hush puppy shoes. They were so out of style, it was like unique. So it was like their signature. And these kids would go to these clubs, these bars in downtown Manhattan and wear the hush puppies. And because they did it, they were the cutting edge. They were avant-garde. So then it became cool. And then everybody bought the hush puppies. Okay. So keep that in mind that perhaps the law of the few observed by Malcolm Gladwell in his best-selling book, Tipping Point, maybe he should have written about the way the Rebbe took things that were considered absolutely crazy, convinced people to do it when they were in the minority, in a small minority, and kept them motivated doing something that no one else was doing until it became the norm. <laughs> And in fact, I might even say, in one way, if you wanted to describe the Rebbe's whole leadership in one sentence, you could say, motivating people to do something that the world thinks is crazy and keep it up until the world imitates <laughs> and it becomes normal. Okay, let, let's, 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 we have to pick up the pace here. The um, yeah. Nit a reingehen dick in the Sibais was haben bis jetzt aufgehalten die Einführung von bestimmten Jonnen in der Häser von eigene Anash. So the Rebbe says, therefore, I'm not going to get into the reasons why in the homes of Anash certain things haven't been kept. And again, like the Rebbe said before, for different reasons, the Rebbe doesn't want to get, the Rebbe's not going to go and, and, and dredge up the negativity. Look, this is the fact. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to analyze why this is the case, but this is what it is, okay? And then the Rebbe gets more specific. In levushim and in chinuch in the way they dress and in the way they raise their children, the way they educate their children. But not getting into why there's been a lack in that area. Vilich nochamol uf merksam machen eich draw your attention, let's say, und von heint on und weiter, that from now on, from this day on, haben alle on Eisnam. And here it's bolded, on Eisnam. In the original letter, Mrs. Sharfstein says that Rebbe underlined it. Rebbe took a pen and underlined on Eisnam, which means without exception. That from this day on, without exception, even though previously there'd been a weakness in this area, doesn't matter from now on what is going to be without exception. Gedarft vereinigen sich mit die Freuen von Anash. You have to unite yourself with those ladies from Anash. Vachatrogen Shetelin, who are wearing Shetels. That's what this letter is about, or at least this part of the letter. It's about being an early adapter, early adopter of shaitel, even though it's not popular, even though it's out of style. And in fact, this is what Mrs. Sharfstein says. Before she got married, she was in Yechidus with the Rebbe, and the Rebbe asked her if she's going to wear a shaitel after she gets married. And she said, you know, my friends, she was honest, she was very honest. She said, my friends, 
are American girls, and, and, and they, they wear hats, and we don't, we don't wear a shaitel. And no, I wasn't really planning on it. I think of a shaitel as like an old lady thing. I think of it as an old-fashioned thing that's out of style. So you see what the Rebbe did. He took something, this is better than, than hush puppies, that was considered out of style, and he made it cutting edge. He made it in style. I think I have to explain a little bit here. Um, after Mrs. Sharfstein got this letter, she was so moved, she told her husband, tell the Rebbe I'm accepting to, to wear a shaitel. And uh, by the way, I, I, I just want to remark because many people, Baruch Hashem, are watching. I just want to pause a second. Many people are watching this year, and I want you to understand. I know the discussion of how a woman covers her head is a, is a complex discussion, and there are many opinions. And clearly in this letter, the Rebbe says, Anash, the Rebbe is speaking to Chabad women. Okay, So if you're from another community, please follow your Masoida, follow your Poskim. But the Rebbe is speaking to Chabad and the idea of covering the hair with a shaitel, this is something that is from, from the Ramah, who bases himself on the Shilti Gebeidim, on the Rif in Gemara Shabbos. And uh, at any rate, everyone should follow their, their community's uh, traditions and, and ask your Rav. But here the Rebbe is speaking very strong in favor of the idea of a shaitel. And what I want you to know is that after Mrs. Sharfstein got this letter, she was so moved, she told her husband, go to 770. Well, you used to go to 770 every, every day to Davin. And when you're there to Davin, slip in a little note that, yes, I'm, I'm going to start to wear a shaitel. And he did so. And he came home and he told his wife, you won't believe what happened. I gave in a note through the secretaries to the rabbis saying that you're going to start to wear a shaitel. And the secretaries called me aside. She told me it was label groaners, Rabbi Groner, all was shown, called Mrs. Sharfstein's husband aside, brought him into the secretariat office and gave him a check that Mrs. Sharfstein should buy a shaitel. Now, I want you to understand this check. Mrs. Sharfstein did not want to tell me the exact amount, but um, based on questions that I asked her, she told me that it would be enough today to buy the top, 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 top of the line custom shaitel. In fact, she said it wasn't just custom, it was bespoke. There was no pattern. It was made absolutely from scratch for her. And uh, I said, today, I mean, you could spend thousands of dollars. Uh, and she said, yeah, for, adjust for inflation. That, that It was a big check. It was a big check. The Rebbe wanted that it should be really nice. You see here, <laughs> the Rebbe took something that Mrs. Sharfstein and presumably many other young women her age felt was like out of style. And the Rebbe said, no, 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 <laughs> we're going to make it in style. To me, that's just such a powerful thing. It's also, you know, you can tell somebody, look, I'm sorry to tell you, you're going to have to be the one who's different. You're going to have to buck the trend. But the Rebbe said much more than that. The Rebbe didn't just say, we're going to buck the trend. The Rebbe said, we're going to make new trends. You're going to be the trendsetter. <laughs> you know, who among us hasn't been told by your, by your mother, your father, what, if all your friends jumped off the Empire State Building, you would jump off the Empire State Building? We've all been told, I'm sorry, you can't be like everyone else. You're going to have to be different. The Rebbe 
went even further and said, no, I'm not telling you be different and therefore you'll be the odd man out and you'll be Nebuch, you'll be like uh, a, a pariah. The Rebbe is saying, no, no, no. Don't just buck the trend. Start the new trend. You make what's in style and they will follow and you will be from, 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 from the vanguard. Just such a powerful message about this and about about anything that we're struggling with. If you see something good that nobody's doing yet, but it should be done, and, and you question, well, oh, but it's a new thing and nobody's doing it, it's not popular yet. Hey, <laughs> buy low, sell high. That's the perfect time to get in on it. Wouldn't you like to buy Apple stock in 1983, right? Go ahead and get in on it when nobody's doing it yet. And, that, and, that's, and that's what the Deb is saying. Not a guinea pig, a pioneer. Be a pioneer, be an innovator. Get in on it early. Okay. Um, Fine, I'm just going to go rapidly through the rest of the letter because I want to respect everybody's time. Um, so we read the underlined words on Eisnam, yeah, and we said uh, that they were, should wear shaitlin. Oh, and then the Rebbe mentions another thing in addition to shaitl, giving the kinder a emesach and chinuch to raise the children in a authentically chassidic way. Un firna emesach pratim to run a real Hasidic home and all the details on Hashem Isbaruch. So I help and Hashem should help you as a result then them emes that you will see the truth as as is nitazah shverazah. In the end you're going to see it's not so hard. It's not something you have to be ashamed of. That was always about Jewish pride. Go out there, be proud of who you are. And I want to just remark, when the Rebbe spoke about the idea of wearing a shaitl, the Rebbe spoke about it many times, one of the things the Rebbe said was it is about Jewish pride, that it's a distinct Jewish look. It's about wearing your uniform and being recognizably Jewish and being proud about being recognizably Jewish. In Gegentel, in contrast, meaning to the contrary, is not only you shouldn't be ashamed, er sollt sein stolz mit dem, you should be proud of it. Was man hat die Starkheit nicht zu schämen sich, that you're strong enough not to be ashamed. Mit dem, was gehen dich in Gas, wellen Chavert is, und Freundin is, der kennen, as da geht der jüdische Freude. What, what's, what are you afraid of? That your friends are going to see, there, there goes a Jewish woman? who's carrying out the Jewish traditions. And she's not only committed to the Jewish traditions, she's doing it to such an extent, she doesn't want to hide it. She wants to do it in an outwardly recognizable way. And to be proud. And then your children are going to know. Now here's... The Rebbe pivots from speaking about shaitl to about children. Um, yeah, your children are going are, are to know. As that they are different than all the nations. And your children are going to know they were given the Torah of life and to learn the Torah of life as the sole, the exclusive foundation of their education. Here the Rebbe speaks about... Um, Letting children be completely, exclusively dedicated to Lumude Kodesh. 
I'm going to go rapidly because of the time. Was nur noch dem legen dem Yesoid von a binion und befestigen es a bestimmte Zeit und keine Bilbulem und Sterungen von andere Limudim kann man trachten wegen, trachten wegen, that I said to even think, let me translate it first, to even think wegen weiter dicke genug. That only after you lay the strong foundation of Torah study, and then you let the foundation solidify for a long time. Only after that can you even begin to think, <laughs> to even consider studying things other than Torah. Very strong statement. Okay. Und der Schuss von Onnemen, a festen Beschlussendem, the merit of taking on a very strong resolution in this. Mit ganzen Herzen und mit Freude, with your whole heart and with joy. And I just want to remark. The Rebbe always wanted it should be with joy. Nobody's punishing you. Nobody's torturing you. It should be with joy. This is an opportunity. This is <laughs> this is a golden opportunity for you. Und gleich anheben, verwirklichen das in Leben. You should take it on and immediately apply it. Start applying it to your life. And if you do that, so bringen und wettbringen. I love that Lushen. So bringen und wettbringen. It should bring and will bring. It's sort of like the Rebbe's wish and the Rebbe's guarantee. So bringen, wettbringen. It should bring and it will bring. Achsima, when a gemar chsima teva. We said that last night. The Rebbe always said, chsima, gemar chsima teva. Beyema kodesh, eshayna rabu, nshmini atzeres, abo alinu leteva. Aichun ala ayre bnei bayes shiichyu. You and your household. And by the way, I'm not sure about this. Maybe someone can let me know. I know it's very customary to say to a man, you and your B'nai bias. I think it's very interesting. I'm not sure if it's unique to the Rebbe to say to a, wo a woman, you and your B'nai bias, meaning to refer to a woman's husband as her B'nai bias. It's interesting. Again, the Rebbe uses that expression, which we should be early adopters of, even if nobody else does it, and they look at us funny when we say it, but be at the vanguard, be a pioneer. Uh, I'm looking forward to good news about all of this very soon. And like I said, very soon was very soon because Mrs. Sharfstein got this letter and she told, she told her husband, go tell the Rebbe, yes, I'm doing it. Okay, thank you so much for joining us for letter number two. We'll see you, Mitzvah Shem, tomorrow night.